It's a great time in the midst of a global pandemic to share strategies for wellness. The guests I've lined up in the month of April have invaluable wisdom for your personal well-being and your family. Hey, do the world a favor, and if you learn something useful, pass it on. It's so fun to end our April features on taking care of yourself in the month of COVID uh, lockdown and recovery. This is a great time to talk about your health. And I love that I made a new friend in Suzanne Carpenter, an approachable, sincere, fun-loving, and passionate leader who loves to see personal improvement and transformation in those that she teaches. She has a 10-year nutrition career and she's going to tell a little bit about her personal story where it comes to food 
and weight loss. And I'm not talking about weight loss for cosmetic reasons. Um, I like to talk about making peace with food. In fact, I love that you have a food peace university. And with that, I'm going to turn it over to Suzanne. Just give me the scoop on where you come from, who your people are, and what inspired you to do this. Oh, Donna, I'm so glad to be on here with you today and honored to be a part of this conversation that you're having with your community. It's just ex extraordinary. So, well, you know what? I have lived my life covering up a secret. And so, you know, I met my husband in college. We have four children. One of them is 20. And I started out teaching first grade and came home to raise them. And I loved being a stay-at-home mom. And life threw us a curveball like it does everybody. It's not if, it's when. Uh -huh. And that was in 2009. Husband basically realized he worked himself out of a job. So we took a 40% pay cut. We had the big move. And as a mom, I wanted to get us back on track. Yeah. So I started out over in direct sales of all things, just so I could stay home. But I kind of got my entrepreneurial chops about me, you know, while I was in that space. Yeah. So I was asked this question and they said, okay, say you would die for your kids, but would you change for them? And that question was the deal breaker. I mean, like I lost hours of sleep over that question because I was hiding the fact that I had an eating disorder for years, like since teen years. Oh. And I, that question made me suddenly realize if I didn't help myself, my girls were destined to talk to themselves the same way that I was. And they were probably going to have a similar fractured relationship with food that I had. Yeah. And I couldn't stand the idea of that happening to them. And it made it that I found that little bit of brave that I needed to get the help that was required so that I could be better from them. And then the irony is it that your message is found in your mess. And so, gosh, you know, it's like the shame bubble was popped and the relief happened and I found my voice and I recognized not everybody is going to be in as deep of an eating disorder as I was in, but I knew that two out of three Americans were overweight and one of three was obese and that women were talking to themselves ugly in the mirror because they didn't like how they look and they felt. And I thought, I have this ability from my days of teaching first grade, I can make science really easy to understand. And it became this mission to just pay it forward, the teaching part, so that we can end the yo-yo dieting, the fad dieting, the uncertainty, the stress behind food, and we can just live and enjoy moving forward. Oh, I love that. Now, you have four kids, right? I do. How many are daughters? Two of them. I have a 20-year-old son an 18 year old daughter twins that are 13 that are boy girl oh so mm -hmm. yeah <laughs> <laughs> wow you got your bonus on the other end <laughs> i sure did <laughs> yeah and it is so important what we teach our daughters um sometimes we just live life by accident or by back pocket theology or strategy <laughs> yes without really knowing and we don't realize what's been passed on to us we just do it because it's somehow a, just a cadence that we've gotten used to so um i want to hear first about the transformation that happened in your life and then i do want you to tell me how you keep your girls honest in this whole category 
Those are good questions. Okay, so like real practical steps, because this is how I am. I, I would want to know from others, when I was still in my dark shame time, I felt like I was in a cage. And I couldn't figure out how to get that door open, but I could see out of that cage and I could see other people changing, but I couldn't understand how they got there. I knew they were there. Like, but how did you, what were your steps? So for me, this is what happened. I had that knowing that I had to do something. Now, let me say, I had stuffed the secret down. Like I didn't think about it a whole lot because I wasn't ready to do anything with it because I wanted to be the real deal. And if I spoke this thing out loud and I had never even told my husband who's 17 kinds of awesome, I never told him. If I said this thing out loud, I was going to have to be willing to walk this out. And that was scary because my integrity was attached to that. So I practiced telling myself first, and then I had to write it in a journal. And then I still couldn't tell Dave even, my most trusted person. I had to get to the therapists and the counselors and the RDs that I was working with. Like calling them was scary. Booking the appointment was scary. But when I said it to them, I told them first. And the reason is I was paying them. And the relationship wasn't quite as attached to my heart because I wanted people to like me. And I had written the story so big in my head. It was so shameful to me that I thought I would be unlovable and unlikable once I said this to people that I knew and loved and trusted. I thought I was going to lose relationships. So when I told my counselor and I was met with love and understanding and compassion, she helped frame the narrative for me about what it was going to look like when I finally told Dave. And of course, you know, to him, he was like, I'm sorry, you suffered that. I didn't know you hit it too well, you know, and he was sorry. So the, the story I wrote was a lie in every way. But those are my really practical steps of how I found the voice to speak it the first time. But I will tell you, Donna, the first time I said it out loud, I thought my bones were going to fall out of my body. I remember the heat coming up my neck. I remember the sweat it was tough. That was really one of the hardest things I ever did. But didn't it feel great after you said it? The relief is just so hard to convince somebody of. It's so worth it to be brave to get that freedom on the other side. Well, it's so funny, the power that shame holds over us. And it, it creates disease in our body. I mean, literal. I know that, that people who hold any kind of information in, whether it's anything that's been done against them or anything that they've done against themselves. When we let shame fester in our lives, it creates disease in us. Mm -hmm. so it's amazing that you discovered that. Now, has it been easy for you to spot the symptoms in your daughters? Well, okay, so when I started my healing, they were younger. So they were never really too aware of the former eating pattern to see a difference now. Um, but yes, I, I watch them to make sure that they're not uh, using food for comfort or to numb out or to cover a feeling. Like I try to make this, because that's what a lot of people do. They comfort eat to numb out the feeling, to cover it up for a little bit. Um, so I watch them for that. And then I, it was kind of neat in what I do now. And I teach so much about protein, fat, and fiber, just the basics of why. And they understand because they've overheard me talking to so many people that to them, it makes a lot of sense because they've, they have overheard and they have watched me for so long now show them how food is neither good nor bad. It, it, it doesn't have an identity. It's just energy. It's how you use it. So if we mostly are eating these things and we're crowding out the sugar and the junk, 
when we have the things that we love, like our top five favorite foods, they're not going to cause you to gain weight because we've got this really centered hub over here. To them, that's very logical. So right now we're good, but I do promise you, Donna, I watch very closely. Well, it's important. We need, we need people to, to watch over us too. And I just know as a mother of three daughters, I'm really careful how I communicate anything I notice to them because when people try to hold me accountable by making me feel shameful or saying, hey, I saw you eat that, you know, it totally defeats the purpose. So what's a really healthy way to help somebody keep their own commitments to themselves? Oh, you mean rather than worrying about what their daughter is doing? Is that? Well, I just mean um, if 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 I were to spot my daughter um, eating something that I know she's going to regret eating, um, or if I want to tell a friend, "Hey, mm -hmm. I know you said that you weren't going to eat that. You were going to eat dairy this month because of the reaction you've been having." So I'm just reminding you, what's a healthy way to really hold somebody accountable without making them feel even more shame? You know, I think that it's best to do it when it's not happening in the moment. So like, let's say we're having a big old piece of chocolate cake. That's not the time to remind versus ahead of time. Like say we're going into dinner and okay, my kids love Italian. They love the breadsticks and they whatever. I might during the day revisit with them sort of some of their goals about we're going to the beach this summer or prom dresses or what have you. I might pull back into their mind's eye, their why, for why they want to look and feel their very best, hoping that that moment is going to draw on them when they're having to make the food choice. Likewise, maybe well after, but I don't want to shame like right while we're in the middle of it because then it becomes regret and we become the bad guy and we don't want that. The next best thing I would say is I I prescribe to lead from the front and be a role model yeah, without yeah. a I told you so mentality. Like joyfully, like we go out to Italian, I am steady. You know, I, it's not a trigger food for me though, but we would order, I would have a salad. I would still order a piece of protein and grilled vegetables. I'm not triggered by it. And yeah. I would not sit there with a solemn face. I would just me do me yeah, and be happy. And I figure no matter what, I am showing them the way for when they're grown up. You know, it came back to me it, and it, I realized that that approach does work. Um, and sometimes it's on the, on the flip side. Like when my daughter got sick after her birthday weekend and it's because she really loves corn and she really loves cake. And so she had too much corn and potatoes and cake. <laughs> And she yes. got sick on, I don't know, Saturday or Sunday night. And she's like, what's wrong? And I said, let's take an inventory of what you ate the past three days. And she's like, I didn't know that corn metabolizes like sugar in my body. I said, yeah, you may not want to have corn if you're going to have cake. I mean, just thinking about what happens in your body. Do you teach a little bit about how to pay attention to those things? Oh, most certainly. Because I think knowledge is power. And instead of it being a shameful kind of a thing, but more of a dialogue, like, oh, that's just biology, doll. You know, like, really, if you think about all the sugar breaking down, it's almost like knives in your GI tract. It does hurt your belly. Here's the thing. We just have to decide 
do I want my mouth to be happy for these next 10 minutes or do I want my stomach to be happy all day tomorrow? And sometimes you just have to decide. And I think there was so long, especially when I was a girl, we weren't taught those really practical fundamentals about nutrition. That's what I've been trying to do now with my platform is to show food can really affect how you feel. And we all want to feel good. I mean, that's the problem is that we all want to feel good. And so a lot of people are overeating with the wrong foods to make them temporarily feel good when the next day you have a food hangover and your stomach hurts and you feel puffy and you feel horrible. And so then you have to really, like I talk about, we have to take compromise and discipline in so many places of our life, relationships, our job, paying our bills, somehow in food, it became okay to not have to use compromise and discipline. And I'm trying to like draw that back into, you know, that's just another spoke of your life where we have to do that here as well. I mean, if you want the cake, skip the corn for another two weeks. Yeah. You know, do one or do the other. Don't do them all. Yeah. Just to choose. And, and it, it's all about consequences. That's what we've always tried to teach our kids. <laughs> and you just need to be prepared to know what the consequences are going to be. And, and just like, um, if you have a big test the next day, I wouldn't be having any kind of sugar at night, the night before a test. But what do kids do to stay up all night? They binge on sugar and then they don't understand why they can't think clearly. It's mm -hmm. just really interesting how all that works together. Mm -hmm. Well, and then, you know, if you think about like the feeling spectrum, like over here on the left side is negative, like your hand on a hot stove, you couldn't keep it on that pain. And over here on the right is extreme pleasure, like the endorphins or sugar rush. They don't last. Well, we're wired to want to move away from the pain as fast as we can get away from it. So, oh man, studying for a test is overwhelming. You're feeling stressed. You're feeling, uh, so we want to get away from that yucky pain. In adult world, it could be COVID, it could be uncertainty, it could be any number of financial things. Yeah. So it's okay to get away from the pain and feel happy endorphins with food. That's allowed in society where things that would give us endorphins are not allowed like gambling or stealing or drugs or pornography. Like those things are dampened down, but food is okay to numb out on Ben and Jerry's. It's okay to numb out on pretzels. So the reality is teaching adults and the kids like, okay, we've got the test stress, but you go and you sugar up, you numb out for a little bit, you covered up the stress, but what's going to happen when the food's gone? Your blood sugar is going to go up, it's going to crash, you're going to have no energy, you're going to have an icky belly, and you're going to still be left with the stress. Right. So we've got to be smart about this. But it takes, I think it takes teaching and connecting those yeah. dots. And a lot of us did not have that dot connected when we were little. Oh man, I grew up in the era of cream of something soup and <sighs> casseroles and nothing fresh ever. No, American food cheese. was such a novelty. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I learned how to cook in rebellion from my canned food childhood. <laughs> and it's, I mean, not a great cook. Ask my family. Everyone's a better cook than me and my family, but I'm, you know, at least I can recognize food. You know, <laughs> we need we need you to be involved in the next life strategy retreat in the Atlanta area. I have somebody who wants to host a retreat there, and that's a great place for you to talk about that food discovery process because we have a whole day dedicated to how does this body work, how was I made to function, and how can I create a plan to 
show up in the world the way I want to, because we talk about the finesse of a fine wine and, and the elegance of a fine wine. And when we show up bloated and groggy and tired and overloaded mentally, um, it's really our job to learn how to make those choices. <laughs> That's right. And your greatest wealth is your health. And we want to go and we want to scale. We want to lead from the front. We want to be dynamic and competent and bold. But if we wake up feeling like the underdog, bloated, our pants aren't buttoning, we're in this COVID time and we're in Netflix and quitter pants. I keep thinking about us women and we make the world really move forward. We are the fine wine, like you said, but we've got to get into fighting shape and our health. That's the foundation. Like everything we do that is brilliant and scalable and inspiring comes from us being in a place of looking and feeling our best. And it is not about vanity. It is not about gene size. It is about that overall feeling, but food is either poison or medicine. Yeah. And we need to realize that we are worth fueling our body with the best, but figuring out how to have thoughtful indulgences worked in because yeah. it's not about restriction. Like a diet is not meant to be restriction. Diet is a pattern of eating for man or mammal. And we need to, this, as early as we can in our lives, even if it's 47, like I am, we need to figure out a pattern of eating we can do right now that we can do when we are 80, because that's where true exactly. wisdom and health lies. And when you say it's different for different people, your, mm -hmm. your pattern of eating may not be the best pattern of eating for me. No. Do you agree? I would, I would absolutely agree. In fact, the, what I really figured out with the science behind this thing is our body needs the three nutrients, protein, fat, and carbohydrate. And what I focused on is protein, fat, and the fiber, which is found within the carbohydrate. Fiber is a zero calorie part of a carbohydrate. can't be digested, but your body's going to burn a lot of calories trying to digest it. Mm -hmm. like your cardio. It's also going to act like a broom and a sponge and usher calories, fats, and toxins out of your body, help you feel full. So you're not needing that thought pattern of 3000 calories. You're able to eat what your body needs. Also, we're shutting off all the hungry hormones. So the thing is, we're not doing a fad. You fill in the gaps of what, how much protein, fat, and fiber you need, but those are what your body needs. We're not supposed to be cutting things out. You can figure out which ones to put in. And it's a much more um, abundant way of eating. I like it. Well, I like to eat. So therefore, I like your, your approach best. <laughs> yes, I, really I like, like food to. and a lot of it. Yeah, definitely. Well, you would enjoy our retreats because we eat well, too. We eat okay. really well. Mm -hmm. That is how we plan trips is around where we're it's eating. Around food. Yeah. I mean, when we go to visit anyone's family or, uh, or just travel to any city we've been to before, it's all about which restaurants for which meal. <laughs> yes, it is. Yes. Or, or which foods we're going to get at the local market to go back and cook because we have access to such great produce in California and in places other than Colorado where we do have farmer's markets. We really do. But it's different. And we don't have, well, we do have fresh fish, but it's more expensive. So oh, yeah. <laughs> lots, lots of different options, different kinds of options. Well, I could tell this could go on forever. So you know that we definitely have to pursue something further. And I would I'm love so it. I'm glad we didn't have our Atlanta retreat in April because the host turned out to have COVID-19 and she's recovering now. 
And oh. so um, she was such a trooper. For the first two weeks, she was mildly symptomatic and would show up on our, um, hap our you know, online happy hours. And then it got worse. And yeah, she's going through the heck of it, but um, she'll be back and we'll have that retreat scheduled. And uh, when we can all travel again. <laughs> oh, boy, are we ever going to appreciate that with a yeah. different type of gratitude? Yep. You know, and gratitude is part of the formula that keeps us healthy. Yes, ma'am. I always like to, I'm so glad you brought that up. And when you talked about the COVID, you know, keeping yourself healthy for COVID. We absolutely have to take care of this body. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the minute we drop our guard, that's when we're more susceptible to being infected. Mm -hmm. And um, it seems like a good time to sit around and eat ice cream. And everyone I've talked to has had more wine during the past month than they have in the whole past year. Mm -hmm. And I've been trying to scale back. Um, I notice I am not drinking wine tonight because of said scale back. Also because I have a 21, 22 year old daughter who likes to drink wine and she's always giving me an excuse to open the bottle. <laughs> so, <laughs> not opening one tonight, but what do you have open tonight? Right, so right now I have a Bernard and it's by this company called Scout and Cellar. And I really like their wines because they don't add the sulfite so my face doesn't get the puffy. And I'm really sensitive to the extra sugars and I was for so long. So delicious, but this is, this is my favorite. Okay, well, you're gonna send me the picture of the label for the Wine Palace, right? Oh, beautiful, mm -hmm. I love it. I most definitely will, Okay. yes. Good, good, and tell me one really practical thing that somebody can do today to take her whole food world in her own hands. Okay, uh, can I give you two practical things? Okay. One is let's get back to drinking our water. Uh -huh. I'm so boring, three liters of water, but you know, hunger really comes from your body thinking it's dehydrated. So man, that's an easy thing. The second thing is I call them goal pants. And in my community, we try them on on Mondays and they're the pants that are either right in line with what you want to be wearing, uh -huh. just so you stay in check with the kingdom or they're one size too small and they're the ones you want to be wearing. We try them on every Monday, and that way you can just self-validate and self-assess because that's important to do that from within yeah. how you're doing. So you just keep those pants kind of up front in your closet and you try them on every Monday. If you're really needing to move the needle, we need to try them on every day. And like I'll tell people, if you have a trigger time between four and six or six and eight, put those goal pants on during that time because that will help you to stay mm -hmm. accountable far more than I ever could. Exactly. Boy, that tight waistband is exactly what helps us to remember not to grab the cookie dough. Good point. That's right. Good That's point. right. And they're real practical. Like we, we can all do that. That doesn't involve anything. Yeah, absolutely. Plus we can't breathe. So how could we think? <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking of my goal pants. Um, but yeah, you know, there's also probably some perspective of shifting the goal pants at a certain, you know, age, like 53. Sometimes we just need to admit, I'm not going back to the size four. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. Wouldn't you say so? Mm -hmm. Please say so. Please tell me. Oh, okay. a thousand percent. Yeah. No, no, no. Our bodies are not our 20 year old bodies. We have changed. We've grown children. We are older. We don't have to, we don't have to prescribe to menopausal middle and we don't have to think, that we have to be the Italian noni that's all round and plump. Like we can fight for our metabolism still. Yes. I, I work with people on that all the time. 
But no, I think that our bodies still change and shift and we are not the same as our daughters that are in their 20s. <laughs> exactly. Very good. And plus they need our old pants, right? So <laughs> they can... <laughs> Yes, they do. And good thing, it's all coming back around and probably in fashion anyway now. Exactly. It's so true. It's been so much fun to have you. <laughs> I can tell we have the same sense of humor. We'd have a good time. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love your podcast. Thank you for being on. My pleasure. I hope you are enjoying women who are well and sharing wellness strategies on women wine and leadership if you're finding this podcast helpful would you do me a favor hit the subscribe button in your podcast app and rate us that's how we know what's working and stay in touch with us through all the usual places just search 360 life strategies or donna carlson 360 wherever you hang out you can also find something new at the wine store by taking a look at the labels in my wine palace on pinterest I hope we'll see you here next time.